Welcome to the NHL 94 podcast, part of the CBP Media Network. This podcast is dedicated to the greatest game ever developed, where I will talk about the development of the game, tournaments and matches, our stories about NHL 94, the people that make up the NHL 94 community, the games won, lost, and the chirps that need to be heard around the world. Welcome to another NHL 94 podcast, you 16-bit hockey fans. I'm your host, Len the Legend, and today we have another great show slated, and I'm joined this time around by another person that is well-known in the NHL 94 community. And you may know him as one of the stars of Ice Pilots TV show, but I will, well, I'll welcome this gentleman. This guy is normally the first star when you play NHL 94 with him. Mikey McBride. Mikey, how are you, buddy? Well, awesome, doing awesome. It's pretty warm. Unseasonably warm here in Yellowknife. I think we're like minus eight. So that's that's basically like, you know, plus 20 or 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, apples to apples for somebody uh, right now. It's for Northern Canada. I'm up in Yellowknife right now. Yeah, minus eight is, yeah, this, this hoodie's way too hot. I actually took a look at the temperature today, and it said it was going to be high of minus two. I'm not sure if it got there at Yellowknife, but that's almost above freezing for people down south. So that's pretty darn warm. You're right, considering your neck of the woods. I hope you guys are out there playing golf or whatever. Yeah, well, no, we're working. It's actually the weather goes with aircraft and stuff. When it gets warm and kind of cold at the same time a bit, the weather goes to crap. So it's it's been a tough days at work, and uh, but yeah, I'm happy to be here talk with NHL 94. Like I'm I'm still at work right now. And but uh, we got airplanes going for another few hours, but uh, I, I drop everything. Talk to Love it, I appreciate that so much. So, for those who don't know who is Mikey McBride, let's get a little bit of background who you are. Yeah, so uh, born and raised in northern Canada, uh, my father started this airline, Buffalo Airways, in 1970. We're 54 years, uh, he's the longest running president of any airline, maybe in North America, possibly the world. Uh, and yeah, we operate the fleet of airplanes, everything from very small airplanes to 737s. And uh, yeah, and we do pretty much everything. We do firefighting in the winter, in the summer <laughs> for the little short summers we have uh, and in cargo and in passengers. And we have twin otters for Austrip stuff, low planes, everything, anything with airplanes that we do. Um, and yeah, so that's what I do as my day job. And then my secret hidden side job is Angel 94. Uh and uh, I was lucky enough to, um, in between when we stopped filming uh, the TV show Ice Pilots, uh, and before I started a new project with aircraft, I had a, a small window. And in that small window, I made a documentary uh, called Pixelated Heroes, which is on YouTube. Uh, and it was me going out and actually knocking on the doors of the NHL 94 community and the people that built the game, uh, people that were in the game, the whole nine yards. And it was basically... Uh, over the course of two years, uh, I got to travel all over North America and spread the love of NHL 94. And then we started the NHL 94 World Championships, King of 94. Uh, I, I I coined that name after uh, King of Kong because I love that movie. Oh. King of Kong. So that's where, that's, that's where King of 94 comes from. It's actually a rip on uh, King of Kong, uh, which is awesome. I love that movie. And, uh, yeah, I had a small dream of making my own uh, – NHL 94 version of that um I've got so much footage of all the stuff because I, I filmed for two years there's actually probably three or four different movies I could make 
Uh, there's the tournament, the like the tournaments, the live tournaments. Uh, there's the the builders. I got I got so many interviews that didn't make the movie. Um, and then yeah, and of course the main tournament. There's the the main tournament. This the first one we did at Real Sports. Um, yeah, we I got man, we had film crews, everything. It was it was nuts. Um, so the what pixelate or pixelate hero story is just the tip of the iceberg. And if I only had a little bit more time, kind of like oh. the li library of Alexandria, I got terabytes of footage. Um, and then, like, I can go on and on. So, like, Mark Lesser, I went to yeah. his house. Yes. I, I went to his house. I was in his basement. I, you know, where I had dinner, spent all day with him. We filmed for hours, and I got the inside scoop on everything. There's a lot of stuff that he, like, said, shut the camera off. I'll give you the real story. Uh, of course, I can't say any of that kind of stuff. And then I went to Michael Brooks' house in Whistler. And that's the house they he bought that house from the royalties of NHL 94. He lives on the side of a ski hill in Whistler. You can imagine how much that cost. Uh, it's a little bit cheaper in 94. But um, yeah, so I filmed, I think his interview was like six hours. I put these guys through their paces um, and got the story of, of Madden and all that stuff. And then I actually went and found Jim Simmons. Uh, who is the original coder of the game. And uh, I got a hotel somewhere in California and he had a couple hours. He was dropping his kid off. I think it was at swimming or something and he had to pick him back up. And so I, I literally got a shady hotel, put him down <laughs> and I got that whole interview. With the community, like there's so much stuff. So yeah, it's nuts. And then of course all the NHL people, I was lucky enough to be friends with a few of the NHL guys. And so I got to, got in on that Anyway, you can see how excited yeah. about the subject. Um, and yeah, like with the whole NHL 94 community sheet, NHL94.com, a lot of guys never met each other. So they were online. So the we started hosting live tournaments because uh, I needed some footage. And uh, But really, I never, I used like, <laughs> like we'd, we'd spend weeks and weeks and weeks organizing tournaments and I'd use like 20 seconds. Like that's typical TV. It's like all this stuff. So, uh, but that didn't matter. What mattered was the community started building. And that's where your very first episode with uh, Halifax, uh, Daryl Sampson, he really is running the show right now, keeping it going. Because just like King of Kong, the magic is with there's people. The people are the magic. The game is just, it's good. It's great. It's amazing. Uh, but it's the people that have grown up with it, stayed with it and play with it. And, and that's, that's what I think is the best. Now, and I'm very fortunate to have got Daryl. I'm going to show even, uh, Raph came on the last. Yeah. Raph came, Raph. yeah so it's, I was very fortunate to have him come on. I went undefeated. Uh, I thought, cause this is this, the underlying thing. Everyone thinks they're the best because before the internet, everyone lived on their own little Island. Right. You lived as far as your BMX bike can take you. Maybe a cousin would come in from another town and beat you or something like that. So I went undefeated for, I think it was like 11 years until I, and Raph was the first person to beat me. And he beat me back. Like that. He's the best, one of the best guys in the world. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even the top 250. Like I'm, there's people that never played the game that could beat me. <laughs> So I thought I was the best. And so that's, that's the beautiful, that made me love the game even more. And then of course with the, the, the next guy you need is angry J 93. He's yes. I traveled all over like the, the ending credits of pixelated heroes is me and him at Ron Barr's house in San Francisco. Like me and Jay 
Angry Jay playing our and Ron Barr well, right behind you was was commentating our game. Yeah, that's how crazy it was, and that's and uh, yeah, so that's that's amazing. So, so, so Angry I, Jay, he he knows that game is through and through. So I would love for you to actually set up a little quiz for him because he has every player memorized. He knows lines. He knows everything. Every what was this? Three hundred and eighty people or four hundred people in the game. If you said, if you gave two numbers, I bet you he can tell you what line it is. You could say 26 and 11. He'd go, well, that's Buffalo or whatever. I guarantee yeah. you. So if you get him on, you got to test him. You know, he's definitely on the list of people I'm going to be inviting. So Angry Jay, if you're watching or listening to this, be ready for an invite and hopefully you accepted it. Uh, and no, I, I have to find out, like, I got to go dig deep into your past here. Mm-hmm. How did you come into NHL 94? Because I, I love to hear stories about how people came into the game, learned about the game, started playing it, and then really delved into it. I want to hear your story. Uh, well, it all started really, um, well, you know, Blades of Steel. I had Blades of Steel on the radio, and yes. I was about uh, 11 or 12 years old when um, when uh, the game came out. And so that was a really influential part of my life. Uh, the, I had the Sega CD version, and I had, of course, the standard vision. But I was a huge Patrick Waugh fan. Huge, huge. They just won the Stanley Cup 93. Last time a Canadian team's won the Stanley Cup. And uh, it's been a long while. Uh, in fact, my co-worker, Sandy McPherson, I can never forget his birthday because it's June 6, 93, the the day Montreal won the Cup. And uh, Or is it June 9th? Crap. June 6th or June 9th? Internet will fix it. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, that's his birthday. We'll edit that's this after. No? Yeah, no, no, let let it go. But yeah, Sandy's birthday is the day the Montreal won the cup, and that's my coworker now, and I remember that day very well. So that game was the extension of the excitement I had of watching Patrick Waugh, the boys, win the Stanley Cup. So as it was the first time that you can actually be a real person, like Zelda and Mario, and these these people aren't real people. But that's Waugh. You're Pat, you're Patrick Waugh. You're Jeremy Roenick. You're you're Eric Lindros. You are these people, and and. You, to me, NHL people were gods, and it's funny enough, they were only like 23, they look like they're 50. It's amazing. I go see NHL now, watch an NHL game, and like, this kid looks like he's 14. But back yeah. in the 90s, they looked like Marty McSorley, I think, is, looks younger now than he did <laughs> I got to find out that Pixelated Heroes, we'll be talking about this quite a bit. I have a lot of questions to do with this. What was one of the inspirations, or what, what inspired you? to do it because this is a project you just don't come across and start doing it you have to think about it you have to plan it what was your inspiration behind it well we just finished ice piles which we uh filmed for six years so that's six years 73 one-hour episodes it completely engulfed my life um you can watch it it's on it's streaming on tubi right now for free uh i think it's on amazon and depending where you are in the world uh it's like on two in the morning with the 2000 flushes commercials um <laughs> Good body break, but uh, yeah, it's not uh, body break. Yeah, how? Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, I worked with Hal Johnson, John McCall before. That's another story. Um, but anyway, that uh, yeah. So that whole thing. So that that it was the show ended, and we we finished the last episode. And me and uh, Jeremy Watt, who helped me produce, he's a producer on Pixelated Heroes. We're sitting at the bar, Black Knight, here in Yellowknife, and he's like, "Mikey, what's next? What do you want to do?" And I was like. Watched a King of Kong probably 30, 40 times now. I want like I've never played Donkey Kong on a on a arcade machine, but I love that whole thing. I was like, I'd love to 
figure out the story of NHL 94. I knew nothing. Like, I didn't know Mark Lesser. I just knew he was a name. Park Place Productions. I didn't know anything, right? So, um, I, yeah, he's like, hey, man, if you want to do it, I'll help you. And he actually did most of the filming. He was in. He was the one in um, the basement of uh, uh, of uh, in Mark Lesser's basement with me. Um, and he's the one you can hear in the background um, talking. Uh, and, um, yeah, so I went on and I went to – and this is a perfect plug, NHL94.com, the one place you got to go. I typed, set up an account, and I lurked. I probably lurked for about six months, learning, learning. And what I did was I put, I posted um, like a quiz, you know, like there's like a 10-answer quiz. And I made it the most hardest NHL94 questions I can get. Like, the, the you know, the iceberg? Like, I was yeah. right at the bottom. And that gave me a little bit of credibility because they were like, who are you? Because I was lurking. And, I, and so that opened the door and I got a hold of Daryl and, and, and Raph. Raph was one of the first ones. Chaos, uh, John Glass, um, Smoes, uh, all the boys. They're, um, they're, they really helped me. And then I started building the ideas. And then Daryl was my first call. I went to Saskatoon, drove to Saskatoon, had a terminal with him in the the Saskatoon boys. And then it just grew from there. Um, yeah. So it pixelated heroes. I would guess probably cost $70,000. I bet you, I spent 70,000 bucks over the course of two years with the flights, the hotels, the tournaments and all that stuff. There's no chance of recouping it. That is, mm -hmm. that's gone, gone money, but it never was designed to make money. Uh, it was basically my vacation after ice piles. Uh and every penny I wouldn't change a thing. I would I wish it had a little bit more um I had a little bit more time with editing and stuff like that. I'm a lot better editor now. Um I've edited my on my YouTube channel hundreds and hundreds of videos now. Uh and I didn't do any of the editing for Pixelated Heroes. I a really good friend, um, Jay Bolkart did it, the editing for me. Um but yeah. Um, that's why, that's why I was like, I mean, I could, I could probably go back and rebuild it from scratch if I had the time, like I said, yeah. six, it's what, 5.43 here PM. I'm still at work, but, uh, yeah, going back to the original, the original question here, that was it. It was just sitting at a bar and they said, what do you want to do next? And, and Andy Chum 94 popped in my head and that's what we did. So anybody else is even considering some doing something similar to what you did. What did you learn through all this process? What information could you share to somebody that maybe wanted to do the same thing? You don't need to go to the person's house. <laughs> you could do it like you're doing now. You could just call like the, the last NHL 94 documentary. You just do it over Zoom. Um, that never occurred to me. Like that's that's different. This That's a post uh, that's a post COVID thing. Like mm -hmm. uh, before COVID, it was go to the person. You do not call them that like that is just it's so strange. But now, like podcasts and how everything's changed and it's so more expected, uh, that would have been a lot cheaper. But um, as the person being there, it was 10 times better. It was it was 10 times better. To, and it's I wouldn't say selfish, but it's that I did it. I did it for me but for everybody at the same time. If that, does that make sense? Like it was, I'm going to go do this. And I want to share it with everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times the, 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 
if if someone watched a good documentary called Exit to the Gift Shop, and uh, it's all about Banksy and this uh, this other guy, it's very similar. You, you get caught up in the filming uh, and forget about the movie a lot of times. And uh, so yeah, that's why there's so much footage. And it was if I were to do it all over again, I would have a better plan, uh, um, a better um, you know organization and 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 uh, a better goal and it would be way more efficient it wouldn't have took two years and all that money i could have did it for i could have literally did it for now if i were to redo it i'd probably spend the same amount of money i know probably, <laughs> probably go but again so what's the goal the goal is if you're if you're making something for youtube do it as cheaply as possible because the ad revenue is is and maybe if you throw in a sponsor like five grand or something like that uh, so YouTube's really changed the game. Um, yeah. So I was coming from a television background, which mm-hmm. is very expensive. Um, I think a kid today can make an amazing documentary with his phone and, and Final Cut Pro. I think you do very good. So my my advice to somebody doing it next is don't worry about you. Just do whatever feels well, because at the end of the day, it's the fun that you have and the fun that you can share with everybody. Not so much how much money you can make with it or, or mm. you know, yes, people are going to like it or not. Make something that you like, people will like it. Just like your podcast. Yes. Don't be don't be scared about anything, about production quality, any of that kind of stuff. Just, it will come with time. You're doing amazing already anyway. Uh, okay. Just just get it done. And at the end of the day, people will just want to hear other people talk about things that they like. And uh, that's why I'm listening to an HL94 podcast. That's why I, I the moment, like Daryl sent me the link, I was like 23 seconds, I sent you an email. I didn't even want, <laughs> I, but, hey, how can I be involved? Right? <laughs> that's what, that's what, yeah, Daryl was like, oh, no, someone else made a documentary. I'm like, dude, I wish there was a documentary every day. <laughs> like, like uh, nobody owns the subject. Like, the subject is for everybody. And that's why I'm excited with, like you said, the NHL 94 podcast. This is amazing. This gives a voice to people that don't necessarily have a voice a lot of times. And, like I said, Angry Jay, Chaos, Smoes Up, The Boys. Uh, oh, man. What's the dude's name from the. Oh, it's going to bug me. The guy from the forum. He's like this legendary, like, cloak and dagger guy. Um, man so it'll come to me uh but yeah you gotta find him he's like the mastermind um his name will come to me he's i think he's from philly um, is he the one that behind nhl 94 created nhl 94.com oh, oh evan i forgot about evan. that's yeah evan. yeah 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 no, evan is his dad he, he, interview his dad evan's amazing <laughs> evan's the godfather but his dad is the freaking crazy one he's dad's i went to his dad's house like I was in upstate New York. I interviewed his dad and he made the documentary a little bit, but that he, he's charismatic. He's, he's the man. Evan's awesome. Works at rockstar games. I have an amazing quote he gave me, but he emailed me later and said, Hey, please don't put that in the documentary. Oh, uh, do you remember it? Or can you share it? Oh, or no? Well, I'll let him, I'll let him say it because you, yeah, yeah. he's the godfather. Evan yeah, and his, uh, and his, uh, ask him what theme song he used in his wedding. It's a. I hope it's a Hartford Wheelers theme song because that's a great. No, you just. You can. I'll ask. I'll ask. Ask him. I reached out. I'm still waiting for a reply back from Evan, buddy. Please reply back to me. I'd love to have you on the show. And your dad. And And your your dad dad. too. It's the one welcome on the show. He was like, as it was somebody of another generation that loved NHL '94, and he was so charismatic. 
Like, again, I was in his li- uh, kitchen. We filmed in his kitchen and stuff like that. Again, so much footage I have that didn't make the, the final cut. Uh, I have an NHL94.com, so he started that. He started it so long ago that you can actually get NHL94.com. Like, that. But, uh, yeah, so the forums and everybody uh, that gets it all going, uh, all those guys, they're there's so much, there's so much brilliance. There's so many uh, talented people and a lot of people are shy. Um, and I think a podcast is a good format to, to let people, uh, um, you know, express and, and to share content, like the white bug and all these, there's all these awesome stories that most people don't know uh, that are hidden. Or how do you, how do you add more teams? And like, how do you take, like, it's like what, three megabytes, which is like a Taylor Swift MP3. If anyone even listens to mp3s anymore but anyway so like it's it's that one taylor swift song is the whole game and that's all you have to work with for all the modders and they do it every year it's, it's amazing yeah no and, and i'm gonna try my best to make sure that all these voices are heard we hear the stories and yeah there's i have a, a laundry list of people i want to bring on the show but i i don't want it to gloss over pixelated heroes because i still oh sorry you have something clockwise clockwise is the guy's name if you can get clockwise on the show he is he is an enigma built-in enigma. He came to one King of uh, '94 that I wasn't at. I never got to see him, but he was he really helped me uh, in a lot of stuff too. So clockwise, who there's only rumors that he they lived in Philly, West Philadelphia, born and raised. I guess he, <laughs> modding games is what he did most of his days. <laughs> I added his name to the list. Thanks for the suggestion. Yeah. No, but the, the pixelated here, I still want to talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about that. So it sounds like to me, this was a labor of love, and that's essentially what my, this podcast is as well. And when it that's what we're doing, then it, it's something we cherish, something we enjoy doing. It doesn't feel like it's a job. It's just we're just having fun doing it. Mm-hmm. But you have, you said, lots and lots of footage that has not made the final cut. When are we going to see the director's cut? When are we going to see... Part two, part. We gotta make this a trilogy or something along these lines. Oh, we gotta do something. I, there is enough footage that it could be a series because it is shot chronologically. It is shot in a way that I discovered the game through the through shooting it. So it actually could be a series, um, and it's all high quality footage too. Like I shot with real cameras. I had sound engineers on a lot of the shoots, which. Don't even you don't even need that now. This the iPhone is amazing, but um, yeah. So uh, it could really be a series. What would be holding it back would be uh, I needed I would need an editor because I love editing. Um, like when if you check out my YouTube channel, uh, I love making videos and editing. To me, is the funnest part of it. Um, but. Just the sheer amount of time. If there was an NHL 94 editor out there, um, I think I have two terabytes of footage um, backed up. So it's like a, it's like four and a half terabytes of my backups, and it's all raw. Um, what does that equate to in terms of time? Is it hours, I mean? Jeez. Um, well, each, each event would probably be an hour minimum, each segment, and I probably did... 50 segments so probably 150 hours maybe more <laughs> that's a significant amount of <laughs> maybe maybe more i'm thinking well just the king of 94 in toronto number one i probably have 
eight or nine hours just of that. Um, and then each of the tournaments, we did uh, two tournaments in Saskatoon that I filmed. Uh, we, I did a tournament in Hartford that I filmed. Um, yeah, there's quite a bit. And then all the interviews, the gym, uh, there's, there's, there's a, there's a Madden documentary. I have a Madden documentary of footage without even mentioning NHL 94. I went down the, the Madden, the rabbit hole. Um, I noticed the one thing that everyone says, which I is funny. Though, okay, a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, the thing with NHL 94 is everybody interviewed had their own kind of version of the story and everybody that was physically there in the, in the development, it, it, it was basically the same story, but they, they all have their own kind of views. So a disclaimer is I'm only remembering what I remember from the interviews. But the one thing I, everyone was like, oh, the engine, you know, oh, the engine, the engine in 95 was so bad. Yes. And, you know, the engine, it's all the same game. Madden, NHL, 94, NHL, you know, PA, 93, NHL hockey, Madden. It was all the same engine. It was all the same game. Like it was, it's, it's the, the decision tree and everything. Uh, you know, you can see it as a player. I mean, as a, somebody playing it, I could see that. I mean, 92, yeah. 93, 94, definitely the same engine. And the Madden, like 92, 93, yeah. 94, maybe even 95, I'm not sure. Yeah. Same, same engine, 100%. I'm a, they didn't start from scratch, right? And in fact, I got the guys at EA Sports to confirm to me that no EA Sports hockey game started from scratch. Right from the beginning, right till at the time we were, it was a 2015 Jeez, is it that long ago? It's almost been 10 years. Yeah. It's... Wow. I yeah. nice, man. So I think NHL 15 was when I was at the EA Sports. Uh, and they had never started from scratch. So the NHL 94 DNA is throughout the whole thing. So no game because of the, the how crazy it is. Even though, like evolution, you look at a duck and you look at a dinosaur. Like, doesn't make any sense. But they all came from the same worm at some point, right? And and so the game never started from scratch. The NHL '94 code, graphic file, sound file, move, you know, file, um, you know, interline file, um, a system. It's it's there somewhere. It's it, it's unrecognizable, but it, it's there. Yeah, uh, which is which is cool. So when people say NHL '95, Mark Lester loves NHL '95. He might like NHL '95 more than '94. Um, so he gets, he, he, he gets really, uh, upset because he worked on the games equally as hard. So to him, it's just like, oh, your son, Billy, he's awesome. That Timmy guy. Oh, he's a terrible, <laughs> terrible person. He ruined my life. He's like, hey, they're both my son. So yeah, he, he, he likes the HL 95. Um, but it's the same game. It's just, it's the same game. It just, they tweak things and, uh, and they change it. But so. When they made Madden, they they actually thought of a hockey game because they had issues with them running. The running looked like sliding. Yeah. So they had it work a lot, and then they were like, "Man, if this was a hockey game, it would look like they're skating." So, and that was that was uh, was that Park Place Productions? Am I getting that backwards? Um, yeah, Park Place was uh, Jim Simmons. I used to know those and Knox. Anyway, I. I yeah, I'm I'm bad on my trivia right now, but the original guys, and then yeah, it all you know. The thing We're talking your memory right now. Yeah, they made a lot of money with a little bit of people. Yeah, 
So there was the, the NHL 94 and Madden. There weren't big money. Like they didn't think it was big money, but because of the sales and because of the rotation of being able to make the same game over and over again, they were able to produce five games for one. So, and there was not that many people like the, there's the, the, the Mark Lesser in the barn. That's real. He was in the barn. His buddy did the art down the street, maybe not down the street, but in the same area. And imagine that. So now go to EA sports today and they have teams They have 200 people. They have a building, they have this, the same sales. And the guess what? The games are the same price. It's still a $60 game, <laughs> but it was a $60 game in 94 and, Angel 94 was the only year it's outsold Madden. Look at the sales numbers. They were making a lot of money. And then, so when 95 came out, uh, the money money breeds people. So more people involved, more ideas, more everything. And that's why the game gets scattered and it gets out of place. And I need this, I need this, change this, change that. When you're When you're making a podcast by yourself, you could have full control. You can do whatever you want. You could edit this, do whatever. But if you have a podcast that is nationwide and you, you got sponsors in there, you got a team, you know, you might not, you know, they, they might come back someone and tell you, hey, you know what, let's do a FIFA podcast. NHL's not doing so good. But you, you can make that decision. And that's, they uh, they had the luckiness of being able to do it themselves. And they're very nostalgic of that moment because they'll never have that back. No one will have that back unless you build an indie game. Yeah, but there's nothing indie about EA right now. No, and that was you're right. It's, it was like catching lightning in a bottle. It, it was a <laughs> once in a lifetime opportunity. Everything aligned perfectly for them to execute and deliver a product, which we're still playing and talking about today. And Mark Lesser, I, I can't pass up this opportunity about finding out how it is that you tracked him down. From what I understand, that was quite an ordeal. And I, maybe you can shed some yeah, light on what he's a, he's a lot easier now since. So people like myself broke the trail. Uh, Lesser is amazing. He, he'll he definitely, you know, he's the number one guy. He's got to be on your podcast for the season, season one, season finale. Um, <laughs> he's, he's a type of guy that you could go to his house, leave a hundred dollar bill on his counter, come back two years later and I'll be sitting there. Like he is the salt of the earth. He is the straightest shooter person I've, I've came across, especially in the pixelated heroes world. Everyone was good, but he was he was amazing. I still talk to him, uh, well, probably every six months at least. Um, and uh, yeah, just I send him articles and, and update him on stuff. And um, how we found him was Mark uh, Raff. Did Raff tell you? Raff found a reference to a reference in something. I don't want to give up two things because it's kind of like doxing them, but. Yeah, I think it was Raph found, or somebody found a reference to something, and we got a hold of his wife. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and and I emailed his wife, and I said, this might sound crazy, but did your husband design video games? And then I got Mark's email, which was still... Um, his, his, Don't say his, it. It was like a school email. Like, it was like an email from probably when email started, like it was, um, it wasn't definitely like a, a new email. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I reached out to him and he thought I was crazy and, uh, yeah. And then I ended up going to manger and it was, gee, we just, there was a big snowstorm at the time. And, uh, yeah, 
flew out of Boston at, through Toronto. Uh, yeah, I ran into the car, went out there, had cameraman Todd Craddock with me, Jeremy Watt helping, and then, yeah, we went to his house, and uh, yeah, it was amazing. It made an amazing house, amazing family, um, and I, I know he has stuff hiding there, like the Ark of the Covenant, and he is such a straight shooter that he would, if it's EA property, it's EA property, and uh, yeah, so that's why that's... Yeah, that's all I can say. There's an Area 51 <laughs> of uh, of stuff because he made that 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 NES game with Dracula with the Reebok shoes. Um, that I'm not familiar. Yeah, AVGN did a video. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's Lesser's game. That was never released. Oh, so that leaked out online. So that's like Dracula and he had the shoes and he's. It's actually a pretty clever game. Mark made that, and so. Like he's got that kind of stuff somewhere. He tells me he doesn't, but because he's a straight shooter, and you, I can read between the lines. I know it's out there, uh, and uh, he's just a great guy. And I can't thank him enough for letting uh, letting us in, letting us in there, and all that fun stuff. There's one scene in Pixelated Heroes where you and he were in the basement, his basement, and he. He disclosed and showed you the first limited edition, number one of that NHL 94 cartridge and the, the box that comes along with it. And as for the, the Genesis. Now, between you and I, we'll keep this under the wraps, and hundreds of thousands of people are going to be watching and listening mm -hmm. to this. Did you slip that into your briefcase that holds a Genesis, Genesis and takes it home? Or did you leave it there? Because what an opportunity you had. You had it in your hands. You, you should have took it home. Did you? Yeah. You, you, what you should do is you should download the the download the documentary and put that scene in so I you could I almost react to it. So what happens is he he has a box of games. They're all brand new, never used, never did anything. Pulls out a copy of Intel ninety four of his own thing. Hands to me. Says, "Hey Mike, you can have this." I'm like, "Oh, thank you. This is amazing. This is this is amazing. This is a a, a sealed Intel ninety four copy. It wasn't special edition." It was awesome. It's from Mark Lesser's collection. I was like, oh, this is amazing. You can't get better than that. Literally the next game next to it in the box, I pull out. I'm like, oh, here's another one. And I see that zero. And you can see in the documentary, I hold it up in my hand. And my this is this isn't exaggerating. I about like, you know, that movie in the Avengers where um, Doctor Strange goes through all the different scenarios. I'm going, oh, shit, I could just switch this. Uh, and he would never know. He doesn't even know he has it. And I'm like, oh, my God. But then I'm going to be in that guilt for the rest of my life. And I'm like, I'm going to be, you know, on my deathbed. I'm like, I shouldn't have stole that game. I'm like, that wasn't mine. His family should have it. And it should be in a museum. And I'm like, and then just like just like on uh, that My Christmas Story where uh, where he shoots his eye out. Or yeah, it's ice. He's like, i got to whip up a story. I was like, uh, well, hey, Mark, can I switch these? Um, like this is a special edition and it's in the video. I'm like, Hey, cause then he said, then, then it's like, okay, he said I could act. Right. So that's the idea. So he Mark, can I switch these? And he's like, well, here, let me take a look. He's like, no, no, you can't look what it says, but I knew what it said. Right. And then I was like, Oh, oh. And then, and then behind the camera, uh, Todd Craddock, the camera guy goes, is that, what is that? Like, what does it mean? Is it number one? He's like, hold it in front of the camera. And he's like, get the shots. And I'm like, Oh my God. And then I was like, Whereas Dunfound, I'm like, well, what do you want for this? And he's like, I think he says like an arm or a leg. And I was like, deal yeah. and all that stuff. 
And then for like the, the, the next hour, I was like, it's, it's number one. It's the number one game. Who even knew it existed? And, uh, and yeah. And I was like, I was like, what do you want? I could trade you anything. What do you want? What do you want? He said, no, 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 no. But if he would have just grabbed the other one and handed it to me, it would have been done. It was just, it was a 50, 50 chance. And, um, yeah, so that to me was amazing. It was great to have that caught on film. And that's kind of what you don't get uh, in, in, in a scenario like this. It's like, if you're there, these these magical things happen. And I wouldn't, I don't regret it one bit because it's, 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 it's his. Like, I didn't make the game. I didn't, I'm just a guy from freaking Hay River, Northwest Territories. Like, I don't, I, nothing, I can't even skate backwards, right? So I'm like, no, I was like, no, this is amazing. It was amazing to to help find it because it could have been lost forever. It would have been a two second garage sale. You know, get rid of those things. I don't want them. Um, so I was lucky enough to be able to find it and touch it and all that stuff. And and yeah. So do I regret it? No, I'm just happy it's there and it should be. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't live at the place where the, the legendary farmhouse. No, no, he moved. He moved, and in fact, I tried for a year to film at the at the at the barn, but the the lady was raising like horses that have like mental issues, and they were scared, and they were keeping like like she would like take horses, um, like horses that were spooked or they couldn't work with people or something, and she was like rehabbing them, and so she yeah. It was close a few times, and we were actually going to the barn and film. Like that's how extreme the documentary was being filmed, um, because really was it important. No, but it was more of the the adventure and excitement. But I was very close. It was there was some movie connection too. Um, there was misery that comes to mind. It kind of reminds me. It's like Pet Cemetery was filmed there too. Hmm. Um, so yeah, there's there's some like. Again, wouldn't that would be a, a nice little segment of a of a series to be like, oh, here's the barn. You could you can do you could I could literally do a half an hour on the barn. Like the story and the leaks and the heat and people from EA would show up and be like, What the frick is this? Like Mark my Michael Brooks said, I'm paying you a million dollars and you're living like this? Like So like, you just, yeah, there's there's at least a half an hour on the barn alone. So you spend a great deal of time with him, right? When I say a great deal, yeah, more than any other of us lesser human beings would, sp would spend with Mark Lester. So you're with him, you chat with him, and you converse with him. Was there anything in particular that you learned from him? Like anything that struck out like, wow, I never knew you were behind this or you, you made this or anything that just he brought up that just well, blew you away? The very first handheld video game ever. Yes. Uh, he liked the football game. Like he, if you watch Guardians of the Galaxy number two, um, like um, Peter Quill in the very opening scene, they're fighting that big spaghetti monster thing. He's got a football game, the Mattel football. That's Lester's game. Yep. Like his Lester's games in is his MCU canon, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's yeah. So there's all those connections, uh, like the NES games and that kind of stuff. Uh, but really what he taught me is exactly the end of the documentary is it doesn't matter what you make as long as it's well. It's made well. That's it. As long as you can do whatever you want in the world, you can be whatever you want. You can do anything you want as long as it's done well. And that's that's the lesson of his, his career. And I think that's the most valuable lesson that I came across for sure. Well said. Now, in, in the movie, in the documentary, you were carrying around a briefcase. And in that has 
Is it nearby? I see. I don't know where it is. It's around here somewhere. Yeah, I found that in Arizona. That's the uh, Blockbuster rental uh, Sega case. That's what it is. I was I was wondering where did you get it? So you got it from Blockbuster. Yeah, it was oh. Arizona. There was there was a gentleman helping me uh, when to get all the consoles. So how when when you do a Angel ninety four uh, tournament, where are you going to find consoles, right? So uh, what's his name? Jeez, uh, uh, amazing. His dad was a backup goaltender for the Blackhawks in the seventies, um, and he um, followed games in Arizona. He was a manager there. So he got me, like, I paid, I think, like, 30 bucks this console. Like, consoles at the time were cheap, 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 cheap. Like, he not buy Apple stock. He could have bought all these consoles and sold them today, right? Well, especially during the, the COVID boom. But, um, yeah, so I ended up, I think I had 36 consoles. I think 15, 15 Super Nintendos and 15 Segas plus some extras. And, like, we smashed one there. Yeah, so I, I gave him the Daryl. I gave him all the Daryl. I gave Ethan. I gave him the Daryl for the uh, for the tournaments going forward. Right. Uh, but anyway, so he had it on the wall. He, I was like, "What is that?" And he's like, "Oh, it's a set. It's the when you win the blockbuster to rent a Sega Genesis. This is the case he got." I was like, "Geez, I need that." So that's why I bought it, and that was I carried the Sega everywhere I went. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I would, I would always have an NHL '94 cartridge on me, like a wallet. Um, and it sounds weird, but it was more like to remind myself uh, and to never let go in my thought process of what I can do, because a lot of a lot of it's manifesting. It sounds strange, but it's like, oh, I need, oh, um, who won the Stanley Cup? Oh, you know, uh, Steve Larmer, Glenn Anderson. Hey, why don't we find an arena and why don't we go play some hockey and we'll grab some of the guys from the '94 community and they can come play hockey with us, uh, like. To get to for that stuff to happen, um, and to you know people to spend time for a lot of times for free, like Glenn flew out from New York. I bought him a plane ticket. He flew in from New York. He spent a day with us, and uh, I knew some of his friends and stuff. So he made a big uh, 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 trip out of it. And, and I ran into Glenn another time in Vancouver uh, when he was on hockey, and we had a marvelous time. We had a fun, fun time, but. Anyway, so they, they become kind of friends um, after the fact. Some of the NHL guys are friends before. Um, but, yeah, so to do that and to get that access, it's a, it's a mindset uh, that you can't let go. Like, so I always carried an NHL 94 cartridge with me uh, to keep my brain tuned to that. It's in a better way of it, – it, it's, it sounds very kooky, like people that have crystals or whatever, but it, it's kind of similar. If you want something um, and, and to to get rid of the doubt, you have to have something complete you to remind you of what what to do. And that's that's what it is. So, yeah. So you got you got to let the universe have everything come to you. You got to be ready for it. So that kind of stuff. So just like perfect example, your your podcast. Right. You, you got Daryl. And then Daryl texts me. I've said, I got to come on the podcast. So just by you starting this with the NHL 94, you got the NHL 94 magnet. So this is like the next generation of content. So you can get everybody in a long form podcast because we've already been talking longer than, than pixelated heroes, the whole movie. So yeah. So it's a whole nother level. And I could literally talk for hours on all this stuff. It's insane. Well, we'll have you back again, but I, I don't want to let you go yet because I see many <laughs> questions if you're okay. Because yeah. you, you're talking, you brought Larmer and Anderson on 
your your documentary. And Glenn Anderson, I have watched him play. I watched him play with the Leafs. I watched him play with the Oilers. I watched him play like because I'm old enough to remember him back in the heyday when he was uh, when he standing up with the Oilers. He played with a bit of an edge back in the day. And uh, I would just want to know, did he play NHL 94 the same way? Did he play with the same type of edge? <laughs> I'd love to know if, if that carries on from real life game to the to the digital version. The it's, it, it was Steve Smith that scored on himself, right? The yeah, it was, he, he hit Grant Fuhr. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. did you notice in the game, he's, yeah. he's playing Steve Smith and Steve Smith scores on himself in the game. Yeah, I, I, like, he mentioned it. He, he talked about it. And, he like, mentions it and then he does it with him. Okay, that I didn't notice that he that's did it an again. Easter egg on an Easter egg. Like, there's <laughs> so many, there, there's so many Easter eggs in Pixelated Heroes, like, and then not be, like after, I'm not getting actually I'm not even getting any ad revenue on Pixelated Heroes at all. Not even one cent because the Zambonis, who are an amazing band that really helped me out, because I use so many Zamboni songs. Zambonis are getting 100 percent of all the ad revenue for oh. for Pixelated Heroes. And so they gave me the the rights to use and all that stuff. So it was like it would have been okay for me to go to YouTube and say, "Hey, you know, can you give me that revenue?" But it's not really that many views. I think I don't know if it's at twenty or three thousand views right now. Like the video I just made two days ago is already like at one fifty. So it it's not that many views, and so it's a little bit of money. But I'd rather give it to the Zambonis because I think. I think I gave him like a couple hundred bucks for gas or something to come and, and perform at a concert in Hartford of all places that I, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, I was, again, like I said, there's, there's no money at all for Pixel Heroes. Uh, they originally, a little side note, when I was in Sacramento uh, uh, working uh, on an aircraft project, I ran into a company, it was XOTV.me or .o or something. And there was a guy, they started, they, it's basically a YouTube uh um, competitor, and they really blew me away. And I, and in the, the original when Pixelated Heroes first came out, it was actually there was a uh, a, a paywall. I think it was nine dollars and ninety four cents or something, and it was on XOTV, and it was like an XOTV original. Um, and it was on there for a while. I think it, it made like three hundred US, and they sent me a check, and uh, the check expired before I took it to the bank. <laughs> Cause those, the cashier's checks expire in like six months. And I took it there like eight months later. So it was, yeah, it was like, I don't know, it was like 360 or 380 bucks. So I didn't even make that. So that's, <laughs> I, I spent that on wine for one of, <laughs> for Todd Craddock, the, the camera guy. He spent three, we're in a, a restaurant in New York. He spent $300 on wine and he gave me the receipt. And he's like, you can write this off. I'm like, that's not how things work, Todd. But yeah. One part of the, the documentary made me laugh. And when you met Cliff Ronning now, just before you oh, met yeah, him, Cliff. you awesome. put he, he, he was pretty funny, but you put some tape on the back of your jersey and number seven it and it started peeling off as you're talking to him. What made you come up with the idea of just doing this in the fly just... and making it ad lib Well it was Ronnie. like five Sorry for swearing a bit, but I was no, like, I don't oh, care. Man, I, I can do whatever you want. I, I need a Ronnie jersey. I need a Ronnie jersey, number seven Ronnie jersey, and all that stuff. And we found the old sp- the Calgary spaghetti or the Vancouver spaghetti, and uh, couldn't find one, couldn't find one. And then, so I was like, oh, I'll just make one. I'll put some tape on it. It look really cool. Originally, it was like it's gonna look cool, like kind of retro. And then, oh, it just became a joke. And um, 
Yeah, it was, was a great a, part. There's a really cool that that shoot. Uh, um, Rawlings awesome. He's a competitor. That guy is a competitor. Like he, when we're playing the game, he was focused. He's like, I'm going to beat you. I slaughtered him. Right, I was I was taking it easy on him. But yeah, he's and uh, but there was a group of a group of people that helped me up on that shoot that that shot it for free. Um, they were really awesome. They were friends of a friend, and uh, yeah, so we had a fun time with that shoot and and yeah it was good and then ea sports my cousin from yellow knife here actually works at ea which got me in the ea which was really cool too I, he was uh yeah he was really helpful on that so that's what i said the universe it keeps on opening doors as far as you go and you just got to keep on going there never be negative never be never go down that rabbit hole of self-doubt or pity or that kind of stuff just keep on going and, and something positive like angel 94 it's it's like it's its own little cult it's, it's it opens a lot of doors somebody there could be 30 people trying to get my attention one person goes hey do you like angel 94 push everyone out of the way yeah man what do you need like it's like a code word <laughs> and it worked for you when I, when I showed up on the scene you were able yep. to right away but i got it now i want to just shift gears a little bit and talk more about the game itself and I want to talk about you playing the game and a little bit along those lines. Now, yeah. since we're talking about running, let's talk about the Vancouver Canucks. Do you think the team Vancouver Canucks in the game is overrated? Now, the reason why I'm saying that, they are have talking great about players. This, are you talking about the Super Nintendo version? Or the, the Genesis version? version. Is that, I look at it, you know, Burry is fantastic. Yeah. He, you know, running, he hit with the best of players. If he's, yeah. you know, he's a great the weight bug guy. But after that, you know, Cordell's pretty but, fast. You know, and, and Burry kind of holds back. You know, in 93, kind of held back there during the, the you know, the actual game, the whole controversy. Um, no, I'm not familiar with this. What happened? Oh, in the actual physical game, they Burry was holding back. Like, he was like, there's, I, I don't know the full story, but there was, like, contract negotiations. And oh. It was, yeah, and so there, they, there's, a, there's a conspiracy theory that, he was holding back on the, the last plays to, to show, you know, how valuable a player he really is. And, and then Vancouver might've lost because of Pavel Burry's lack of play. And I, it, it touch, I touch on it a very little bit in, in, in Pixelay Heroes. Again, another hidden Easter egg um, that, uh, yeah. So people, it's, it's a well-known thing. I'm not saying anything that people don't already know, but uh, yeah, it's a little Easter egg of the, of the 94 finals. Um, of Beret and which running uh, which um yeah running was there and uh, um and Anderson and uh, Larmer all all four of those guys um yeah so anyway that's free viewers you can google it and, and that whole kind of fun thing but yeah so again when it, when it comes to the game um angry j 93 Greg the king of Sacramento anything I say is Nothing compared to his knowledge of the game. No, but I want to hear your opinion on it. Are, are, they, an overrated, are they an overrated team in the Genesis version? I'd love to hear no, your thoughts. No. Um, you know, I played the game a lot of solitary, like solitarily with myself. You know, versus the computer. With, with drunk people at a college oh. party, right? So not at a high level. So when you talk to people that play with a high level, there is no opinion. They know the numbers. And their opinion is like they're splitting hairs of a point of a percent, right? So I know like people will go like Jeremy Roenick's the best in the game and Pat Flew. No, Pat, no, not, not Pat Flew. 
Tyler Fontaine is the best. Is there. Pat Flynn's my boy, man. I I had a Pat Flynn jersey in 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 college. I used to wear all the time. You must have loved it when he was dropping number two after Aaron Colvaros. <laughs> Old Eric yeah. Peter Forsberg, that whole worked out good for old Colorado Avalanche. Which Patch Guam, my hero in '96, well '95 and then '96, him and Forsberg and Sackick and the boys, all the Quebecers. They were ready. They, that team was, was stacked in pride, ready to go. And because and of just... Eric Lindros, thank you, Eric. Yeah, they got Hextall, they got Duchesne, Forsberg, mm-hmm. uh, Ricci, uh, ten million cash. I, I can't believe I remember yeah. this off the top of my head. Yeah, it was. But you know what? All in all, I don't, don't want to veer too far into weeds here. It was a good trade for both teams because Lindros did win an MVP, and, and I think he, he helped take the Flyers once to the finals. Yeah. They lost to the the Red Wings that year. So both teams, they actually came out on top, in, in my opinion. But um, So I, loved, I, I always played Montreal, and while being the best goalie in the game was always the best. And then, you know, of course, Chicago. So to me, it was always Montreal and Chicago. Um, I didn't hang out too much in the West, so, you know, yeah, but you know, Ottawa was terrible. The ducks were terrible. And, yeah. you know, you'd play, I, I, um, I got the world record for NHL in goals. Did it make this? No, it didn't even make picks of the heroes. I don't think, but I actually competed and I got the, the pal version. I, you know, you, you do, um, all-star West versus Anaheim, I think. And you, you get the most goals and then you put on twin galaxies again, going back to King of Kong. Uh, and I actually made it in the Guinness Book of World's Records in 2014. Was using the PAL version an advantage because of 50 hertz? Uh, no, it was an advantage because no one was no one was submitting scores. I was the only one submitting scores. So, so like, because Raph had like at the time like 86 goals, I got the world record on the PAL at 23 goals. And only reason is no one was doing it. So people have been doing it since and beat me, of course. But it was kind of like a cheat to get in the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> well, I couldn't find a, a 60 hertz television. Is it 60 or 50? I can't remember. 60 over here for NTSC and, and 50 yeah, for the PAL. So I had to use a projector. I found a projector. And oh. I used a projector because a projector, you can change all the settings. And I did it in the basement of a place I was renting. And uh, yeah, I got to, and I submitted it. And I, yeah, I got um, actually behind me. What camera? Oh, I'm using this camera, but I got Walter Day. Uh, I was. Oh yeah, uh, Mikey. I know. What was I? Superstars of 2017 award. I got signed by uh, um, Walter Day, a bunch of guys there, and Billy Mitchell. The Billy we're going to talk about Billy Mitchell in a bit. And yeah, so Robert Merzak like, signed that too, or no? Uh, That's another one that I, I'm. John you know. Weeks, Daniel, something really. Walter Day. Eric Tesser, Richie—I don't know any of these guys. Richie Knuckles. Is it Richie Knuckles? Yeah, Richie Knuckles. Who's yeah, that? He's one of uh, the guys that are associated with Billy Mitchell. Uh, oh, I can't yeah. believe I know this stuff. Just... <laughs> so many. I got like a plaque on my wall, and I was helping Walter Day because he made all these uh, cards. Here, one sec. So, just for the people watching or listening in, uh, yeah, just this is all stuff it. that didn't make the the. So I got like a big thing of like, there's me. NHL 94 superstars of 2017 cards. Oh. So, yeah. That's a one of a kind. Isn't yeah. it? What's that? These That's cards. one of a kind. Is it not? Or like. Oh, yeah. No. So, like, he, he, he makes these cards every year. And, uh, yeah. So, he made hockey cards for, you know, people that made world records and stuff. And again, the only reason I got to world record because no one was spinning for it. Yeah. <laughs> So well, you, it's not something that you earned out of merit. I earned out of research. You were the first there. You were the first yeah. person to land on the moon. <laughs> and, now, and 
so Raf Raf is the world record holder still. He is he he recently I saw a video over a hundred goals he did. Yeah, so he's the he you could argue that he's the best single player against a computer in the world. And then if you want to ask who's the best player in the world, you're gonna to have to say, and we're talking Sega here, Super Nintendo's a little bit of a crapshoot because people can cut Super Nintendo's a way better to watch live because people can come in and win. The people that win the best in the world in Super Nintendo are a lot of times people off the street. And they're not part of the HL ninety K four community. You know who's gonna win in Sega? Angry J ninety three. He went on the last King of ninety four, I think he lost one game. So when when somebody's so dominant, uh it, yeah, he's 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 the best in the world. King Raph has beat him in, in a tournament in the finals at least. Oh yeah, early, early on. Yeah. Early on. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't I should don't take anything away from King Raph. He's he's amazing. He, he's the nicest guy. I, I think he looks at, I think he looks like Mario Lemieux, but nobody ever says that. I think he could pass off as a Mario Lemieux. Uh and he was really helpful, amazing, amazing thing, but he has to beat Angry Jay. If 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 he comes in, if Raph comes into a King of ninety four tournament and Angry Jay's not there and he beats everybody undefeated, in my opinion, he has to beat Raph to be the best. He, he's your. Oh, your sorry, Raph has to be AJ to be the best. So yeah, Angry Jay is on your Mount Rushmore for sure. He's so you can see I'm like a promoter, right? I was like, this is, <laughs> this is the we got Money Mayweather or Angry Jay. He's gonna he's undefeated coming in, and we and uh, like, Raph could be Jake Paul. Who knows? We're gonna see. We'll get, no, yeah, no, he's Jesus. <laughs> but so, yeah, what I'm saying is that is the final in my book. I always I was always joking around of doing a Yellow Knife All Star. Like take the six best guys, bring them to Yellowknife, put them in a room, make and just let them, you know, stream it. And then so we've always been kind of joking about that, but yeah. So maybe one day. Now it's getting close to an hour, and I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm very appreciative you came on the show to talk about NHL '94. I'm gonna throw a, to you a few rapid fire questions, yeah. and um, we'll see what what the answers are for these. So number one, I'm gonna come right away. Auto goalie or manual goalie? Which one do you prefer? I'm an auto goalie because uh, I didn't know. I didn't know about manual goalie. Uh, <laughs> and that was that puts me way behind these guys. If you're not playing manual goalie, you're not going to win. You have to play manual goalie. You have to be good at it. You have to stop at when this podcast is done. Play manual goalie over and over again if you want to even have a chance of, of winning. I am an auto goalie guy. And that's why I suck. Genesis or SNES? Sega, oh, Sega. So, uh, one thing I want to touch: Armory Wong, who did the designing for Super Nintendo, he's in the documentary. Canadian Super Nintendo is Canadian. It was designed in Burnaby, BC. Burnaby, Surrey, Burnaby, Reno, where they were in in Canada. I think it was Burnaby. Canadian made. It is not the same as NHL '94. It was a completely separate team. Armory, uh, I can give you his contact information. He'd be great to be on on the on the thing because he is he is the Super Nintendo. Completely different game. Sega's better, in my opinion. But Super Nintendo is better to watch live because it is way more unpredictable. Do you prefer playing the 2v2 ROM or the regular just five? Regular. Possibly? Regular. I'm not a 2v2 person. That is a 95 thing. But anyway, no, people love it. Uh, I'm old school. I like uh, five on five. 
If you had to play with one team, would you prefer to play Winnipeg or Dallas? Jets, man, for sure. I'm 96. I was I went to the sixth last game the Jets ever played. Yeah, yeah. I know. I love the Jets. So, Timu. what's your preference? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I said Timu. Timu Solani. He he scored 70 goals in his I think it was his rookie year, something like that. He was just he came out of nowhere. Uh, but anyways, what's your preference for the guy at center? Speed, lightweight, or a good shot? Always the best player. Whoever's the best player in the team is center. Uh, I don't really edit to like. I'm more. I'm. I play like an Angry Bird style, where it's just a game. Oh, I get the game quick as much as possible. I don't. I don't sit there and and you know edit the lines and all that stuff. I just like when I sit down and play the game. I play the game, and I, I'm more, I'm more about how many games I can play. So yeah, and that and and I know Daryl touched that a bit on the documentary or on your podcast here about how to you know some people want to edit lines. You know you got to get the games moving. So I'm all about you know getting in the game and, and playing. So. That's auto funny. goalie, auto lines, you know, <laughs> offsides off. Yes, agreed. Get the game moving, have fun, turn your brain off, and then go back inside. Have you ever witnessed any fist fights or participated in any fist fights with respect to the game? Yeah, and yeah. Well, there was a part that I had. Here's a funny story, and Daryl knows this more than I do. There was a guy that was playing Daryl in, in the first King of 94 in Toronto, and he got really inebriated, and, and he was drunk and being crazy. Perfect television. He messaged, his sister told me that day I was not allowed to use any footage of him, and then he messaged me like three or four days later. He's like, hey, if you use any footage of me, um, you know, there's going to be a problem. And as a, yeah, so that was, that was kind of a, to me, it wasn't that bad. Daryl loved it. Daryl's super upset he didn't use it because it was very comical. But um, yeah, no, everybody in the '94 community has been amazing. Um, yeah, no, it's not even close. Not even close. Biggest wager you ever seen on a match? Well, I think no. On the first one, I think it was a thirteen hundred dollars. I think on yeah. So what what we did on the going back to the King of '94 one. 100% of the prize or the ministry, the, the people that were bringing in my admission went to first, second, third. Mm-hmm. So I think the first one was, I think it was $1,094. But how about went. like side bets? People play, placing bets on the side. Have you ever it seen cost, that? It costs so much money for people to go to these tournaments. I think like, like they were, they were waging coupons because they spent all their money. <laughs> <laughs> but there's not big money. It's not big money, and, and and that's what I like about NHL ninety four, the community too. It's all walks of life. Yeah. You got some guys that buy suites at the hotels, and they open it for everybody to play. And then you got guys, some of the best players, uh, showing up on a bus, and they spent everything they had, and they took time off work when they shouldn't have. Uh, and I hear all the stories where they're just doing the best to make their ends meet, and they're there at the tournament. So that's the best thing about it is it's pretty much the whole walk of life. Are you a Billy Mitchell guy or a Steve Wiebe guy? That is probably the hardest question I've heard in 2024. <laughs> I, I yeah, I'm a, I'm a Wiebe guy, but I sure love rooting for Billy Mitchell. He oh. gets he, he is I, I I message him on uh, all right comment. He always likes my stuff. I send him like congrats, Billy. You know this stuff, and yeah, it's almost like a little bit of larping because I like Wiebe's the. Like, Weeby's the weeby. He's he's the guy. He's the good guy. 
all that stuff and you got you know screwed at everything and if you haven't seen king kong go watch king of kong multiple times uh but billy mitchell's just so damn fun he's a guy that i would love to go for a beer with and then it just because his version of reality is is a reality that is a lot more funner than actual reality so have you followed any of the controversy between he and mame that's uh, every millisecond i could talk for two hours about I like again. I've only played Donkey Kong on a real uh, uh, um, arcade cabinet once in Vegas. They're on uh, on the old Vegas. There, uh, Fremont Street. There's an arcade there, and I played it once, and it's hard. Oh yeah, I followed the whole thing. Like the finger, the finger tile. Yeah, the finger girder. Yeah, and then he's got the screens, and they're yep. screen capture, and then all that stuff. Carl Jobs, I think that's a guy's name. Have you watched his? Uh... Oh, every single one. The blonde yeah, guy. So there's what? a three-hour video that not he did, somebody else did about the the uh, Billy Mitchell, and it just anal- did an al- analysis on it. I'm not sure if you saw it. Probably did. Yeah. And what? I saw, I've seen that twice, and it just it, it seems like it's indisputable evidence that he's using meme. But anyway, yeah, but, but in, in in Billy's world, which is the fun one, no, he's not, <laughs> and that's what I love about it. it <laughs> It's it's like the nineties. It's like OJ over again. It's just like here's all this crazy evidence, and OJ goes, "No, it wasn't me." It's like okay, OJ. It's like it's the nineties all over again, and and that's what I love. I love, I love it because it's it's not real life. Like it is real life. They're they're getting sued for millions of dollars, but they're like they're not taking it seriously. They're still living in these weird worlds, and I just love being a fly on the wall. To the age, see how excited I get. Billy Mitchell's the man. And and when people take it too seriously, I think it's even funnier. No, Billy Mitchell's a crook and everything. It's like it's freaking Donkey Kong. It's Donkey Kong. Like Todd Rogers is another one that to, to follow, yeah. and he's a <laughs> oh yeah, with dragster. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And it's not like Walter Day. So when Walter Day, when I worked with him on the card and stuff, I'm like, yeah, well, you're you're the Godfather. You're you're the yeah you're the Evan of that whole regime between the galaxies and stuff. But yeah. Anyway, there's this, well, yeah, there's at least two episodes of just Twin Galaxy stuff in the, in the Pixelated Heroes TV series. Oh, I want to see that. So I guess I'll ask you one last question before I wrap things up. If there's anything, anything you could change to do with NHL 94. Fighting. Fighting. 100%. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think there is a ROM somewhere I could probably give you gps coordinates of where that rom is uh, I, I could have people there within minutes I, I, i'm kidding <laughs> i'll make a few calls we'll take care of this guido and vito will be there within uh so if you, if you study if you study um how nhl 94 was made from a physical standpoint mac computer a Sega probe, a probe they called it. So when he, I don't know if you know the story about how EA reverse engineered the Sega. No. So EA, yeah, because like if you look at the NHL 94 cartridge, uh, it's not a standard Sega cartridge, you know, the right. Sega cartridge. The reason why it looks like this is because EA didn't want to pay for the licensing for the cartridge. Oh. So it is official Sega now. Like this is official Sega. But the original design was, no, I'm not going to pay Sega's licensing fee. I'm going to make my own game. How do you make a game on the Sega? Well, you need the Sega development kit, right? You don't get the Sega development kit. What do you do? Well, you, you get, a, you get a, a clean room. You take a Sega Genesis. You take it apart. And then there's a line in the room. And you have your, your other machine. And you build a machine 
to work on the Sega, and it's called the Sprobe. Um, there's the other different words. I, I got it saved on eBay just in case one ever pops up. And that hooks up to a Mac computer, and you make you, you make the game, and it burns it onto a ROM. FedEx, lesser-used FedEx. You put the ROM in the FedEx envelope. You send it down to California. They would test the game. They'd send it to the testers and all that stuff, and then they would destroy it or whatever, and they'd write notes, and they'd send it back, and he would do it. Burn a ROM, put it in the FedEx envelope, and he said the FedEx guy was like basically a family member because he was there every day. So how many of those ROMs that have fighting in them were burnt? Well, how many days does it take to develop the game? How many days was fighting in the game? That's how many ROMs are out there physically. So I'm, I already said too much. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. So I want to thank you very much for coming on, spending time to come on our show. I just want to ask you one thing. Is there anything you just want to, last words, anything you want to say oh, before can, we I sign off? Last words, I got last words forever here. It's all um, yours, man. The floor is yours. Take your time. Um. So the the community is the, like, again, saying everybody, like, John Glass has got a really good story about his friend's house burning down, uh, and uh, they, they saved the Super Nintendo. And uh, I'd like you, you got to get him on the show. Um, Smoza, if I'm saying that right, Smoz, uh, he's he's a mastermind. He's a little bit on the quiet side, but he is the brains behind a lot of the operation. Um, and you know, we got King Raph on there. Uh, of course, AJ. Um, you know, I'm a fanboy of AJ, of course. And then uh, um, Clockwise. Got to get him, Evan, and his dad. Just two episodes. Get Evan, get his dad. Uh, and then, um, yeah, like I could I could help you with all that stuff. Get some, you know, Theo Flurry. Theo was great. Theo, Theo, Theo came right to the hangar. And so he's got some really good. He's one of the rare NHL 94 players that was in the game that played the game, uh, which is actually kind of rare um, because there were, you know, what you, 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 these guys are 20, you know, in their late 20s that there were really 50 if you look at them uh they weren't playing video games like like the kids today right so but he, he talked actually, about when he first got his paycheck he bought all the nes games that he could find and so like he he was he enjoyed playing he just apparently yeah. sucked in hockey games he was a very very awesome guy i know he's very controversial in the last little bit you know covid really changed a lot of things and changed the world and stuff um so i know he gets a lot of negative press but i spent a lot of time with you he's a really good person down don't don't let the political stuff ruin that. Um, he'd be a great person to talk to. Um, yeah, I could really help you out with getting that content because to me, I think long form content is amazing. It's you can get all the information. Um, yeah, it, it would actually be fun to uh, to actually sit down and actually watch Pixelated Heroes as a reaction, and so I can pause it because it it would really it would really jog my memory and go, oh, you you know you know what that is? This is the this is a 10-minute story about that, which is maybe even more interesting than what was on the show. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I could, yeah, if there's anybody watching that is that could edit in, in, a, in a, you know, a more of a, a factory type way, like a factory editor, um, yeah, I'd be interested in the sharing the, the, the files and to, to, build a, and to build a series, which is, which would be really nice, especially now it's coming up 10 years. That was almost that was 10 years ago? Yeah. What happened, eh? Time yeah. flies. Time flies. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's the people, the NHL 94 people. Uh, there's the guys in Saskatchewan. There's a really good story. There's a group of guys 
Um, there's uh, two brothers and another guy. 90s jacket is the guy. So they have a jacket. Like it's like a it's like a jacket they got from like a the Salvation Army. And whoever was the NHL man and they play Super Nintendo. Whoever was the champ got to wear the jacket. Like a belt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're in Saskatoon and they play within themselves outside of the community. And so they, they, they yeah, whoever is wearing the jacket, you know, is the best within the friend group. And to get all three of those guys talking at the same time, it would it would be amazing. Uh, Daryl can help you with that. Um, I wish all the names are all flooding back. Um, you know, uh, Blake J. Harris, he wrote the book Console Wars. Uh, he's in the movie, or he's in Pixel Heroes very briefly. He loves NHL 94. Um, he, uh, he's a great one to talk to. Uh, Puck Junk uh, on Twitter, he, uh, he did the, the article for Sports Illustrated. He's the reason I'm actually in Sports Illustrated for a person that can't skate backwards, which is quite the accomplishment. I'm out there with my orange chair skating around. Uh, so Puck Junk there on Twitter, he's like, yeah, there's so many people you can talk to. It's like if someone ever says, NHL 94 podcast, whether you're run out in two days, no, there's the, the, the extended NHL 94 universe is a lot bigger than people give it credit for. And it goes, oh man. Um, uh, and I wish... Uh, our my buddy there in, in LA who did um, well you got Ron Barr you can get Ron Barr the voice in HL ninety four so here's a here's a side thing for people that are still watching I'm sitting there Angry Dre beats me on there I'm wearing my Marty McSorley I was we were supposed to go uh, here's a funny here's a, I'm I, Marty McSorley was always my favorite because he was the bad guy he's I you know I love the bad guys Montreal Canadiens my favorite who's the bad guy. Sorry, I loved it. I'm in a bar with uh, Caden, my one buddy who helps me film, who walks right by me, Mario McSorley. And I oh. fangirl. I couldn't breathe. Caden <laughs> didn't know even know who he was. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I was like, I, I go up to him, and there's a really good documentary called Boys on the Bus, shot from. If you haven't seen Boys on the Bus, stop what you're doing right now, watch it. It's all about the 1987 uh, Edmonton Oilers. And. Um, Michael Boland, who helped me shoot uh, the uh, King of 94 number one, was actually the guy on the ice with the Oilers filming this documentary. Anyway, and Marty, and there's a story, Marty McSorley in there. He's on the farm with his dad, and the dog comes out of the bush and is being chased by coyotes. Jumps on the farm tractor, hiding. His dad grabbed the dog, threw him back at the coyotes, and says, no, this is your fight. And that was like a, a life lesson, like, don't run away from your things. So, when I first seen McSorley, I was like, oh, remember when your dad threw your dog at a bunch of coyotes? Yeah, that's all I could get out. <laughs> you know, he's, he's like, what? I'm like, oh, the movie where your dad threw your dog into coyotes. And he had no clue what I was talking. He's like, okay, man, see you later. But, and this is where the TV stuff comes in. He was he was with some of the this, uh, Calgary Stampeders, the CFL guys. And they, a couple of them were Icebox fans. So I was sitting there like lurking at the bar and they're like, Oh my God. Hey, Mikey, come over here. I need a picture with you. I need a picture. So I'm picture with them. And they're like, Oh, it's good to see you about the show. Blah, blah, blah. sorry sitting there. like, Oh no, this freaking guy. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, Oh, come sit down. So I like sat down right next to him. Sorry. And, uh, yeah, the Snapchat the next day I was, I was wearing McSorley's uh, Stanley Cup ring. We had, it was a big party. It was amazing. At great time that night. So anyway, I, when I was in California, I was supposed to go. Um, I was supposed to go uh, film with them. 
I had some some really good footage of him in '93 uh, when they were doing some hockey promo stuff, and yeah, all that stuff. It didn't work. The timing didn't work out, uh, which sucked. Uh, it uh, broke my heart, but at least I had that moment. So that was the whole thing with with uh, when I was down there by San Francisco, uh, and then of course AJ's from Sacramento, so he came up and we filmed that. It was it was awesome, and uh, yeah. So it's yeah. Again, you can see it just goes on and on and on and on and on. So. McSorley's career ended in, in a, a strange way, didn't he? Yeah, yeah it for sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which kind of sucks. Uh, kind of sucks because it's uh, if you like, Gretzky's on TikTok right now, and he says he's got a great line. He goes, "You can't be Gory Howe, you can't be uh, Mario Lemieux, but you can be uh, Marty McSorley." Meaning, Marty McSorley wasn't the best hockey player, but he went out there and skated, and he worked hard. And he practiced with uh, with boxing guys, and he worked, and he made himself an NHL player, a real player. And so Gretzky idolizes him, and so if he's okay with Gretzky, he's okay with me. <laughs> Agree. Again, he's he's the Billy Mitchell of of, of hockey. And so he's in, in the best in the best possible way. Yeah. Of, 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 of that, I, yeah. No he's not playing me. I can tell you that. That guy put in the hard work. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah, that's a good point. Like, um, yeah, no, sorry, sorry. anything yeah, else you want to just before we sign off because man oh man this has been a, a stellar interview and we can have you back on again yeah yeah no I could uh, yeah I could be colored commentary you could put me up in the corner and I could, just, <laughs> like, I could just watch too I'd sit there with popcorn and watch but yeah no thank you for doing what you're doing you are part now of the NHL 94 lore and so that, and, and that's, and that's the cool thing is when you do stuff like this and you create, then the people at NHL94.com and everything like this, and the the new documentary that came out, and, and my old documentary, and the and the live tournaments. A shout out! I want to do a quick shout out to uh, Troy, who does the Edge of '94 tournaments too. Uh, he's he's got his own little thing going on to tournaments, and and it's people like all of us that you know put everything together. Part of it, you are part of the NHL '94 story. And, and anyone can do it. So you can just go out there, create, and be part of it. And let's see if we can do another uh, 40 years or 30 years. Let's keep this uh, keep, keep this going for sure. But Mikey McBride, thank you for coming on. Buffalo Airways, Ice Pilots, you've been around. YouTube, YouTube, check it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with that, thank you for tuning in, for, for listening in. Keep your stick on the ice and your controller plugged in. Mm-hmm.